Good morning. Good morning. Oh, it's wonderful to see you today. We're starting this new series. Um, I, I was joking in the first service that I got teased a little bit because I, I, I always name my series and then I usually name my sermons. And since all three Sundays this month, we're going to look at the different names of Jesus. I, I named I named it name above all names for the series, but then today is number one. <laughs> Next Sunday's number two, and then the Sunday after that is number three. So uh, I, I got in a little bit of, uh, not hot water, but they gave me a hard time about it. But we're going to start with Philippians chapter two, beginning at verse nine. Uh, I'm going to ask for your forgiveness uh, because during worship, um, I, I don't know what's going on, but I can't hear anything. Well, before I came today, I couldn't hardly hear anything out of my right ear, but now I can't hear anything out of my left ear. So I feel like I'm talking um, in a muffled sort of way. So forgive me if my volume's off or anything like that today. But Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, names are important. Do you, do you agree with me that names are important? Um, let me just illustrate that a little bit. I've told this story before. If you've heard it uh, before, please forgive me. But... A number of years ago, there was a, a new family that began coming to church, and, and I, man, I try to get names. You know, I, that's something that I really work hard at to try to remember who people are, and uh, because I think it's important. And the wife introduced me to her husband, and I, I, I thought, man, I heard her say Mark. So my, I have a brother named Mark, so it was easy. I mean, and, and they say that if you really want to remember somebody's name, use their name about three or four times after you learn it so that you can really get it planted in your mind. So I was Mark this, Mark that, Mark the other thing, you know, Mark up and down. I was just Mark, 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 because I wanted to remember this name. So this goes on for, I can't, this is, I'm not kidding you, three months goes by, and they're, they're in church almost every Sunday, and I'm, Mark, how you doing? And uh, about three months into it, his parents came to visit. And so I was meeting the parents, and I'm like, man, I, I really, I really, I really like your son, Mark, and, and he leans over to me real quiet, and he goes, it's Steve. True story, true story. Um, and, and you, you think about it, okay, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to, how am I going to get through this? You know, names are so important and let me, I'll even take it a step further. Names are the gateway to relationship. If I would have kept calling Steve Mark after even that embarrassing moment, what would have happened? Eventually Steve would have said, this guy really doesn't care who I am. And it would have become a, a, a roadblock in our relationship. Names are a, a gateway. It's a door into a relationship. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about various names that the scripture gives for Jesus. And, and there's literally several hundred of them. 
We're just going to take a few of them, and we're going to look at those throughout the next three weeks. The first one that I'd like to do, and I'm going to combine two of them really together, and that is that Jesus' name is the creator and sustainer. Now, we a lot of times can be guilty of thinking that Jesus' beginning was his birth. You know, we think about it at Christmas time that Jesus is born. And we think that, that that's the beginning. But if Jesus is the creator, then we know that, that the beginning cannot be his birth. There, it must extend before that. So what does the Bible mean when it refers to Jesus as the creator? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, the apostle Paul says this, For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. I want to draw your attention to the words there right at the beginning of that verse, for in him all things were created. What does it mean? It's easy to understand by him. If something is created by him, he obviously is engaged. He obviously is involved, but they're created in him. What does that really mean? And I would say that it means this, that ultimately it was all his idea. When you look around at this universe, when you look around at this world, when you look around even at yourself, it was his idea. And I want you to, to understand that. And, and our world is filled with systems. There are systems that you don't even know right now that are happening inside your own body. In fact, you have multiple systems inside of you that are functioning right now simultaneously, involuntarily, that are keeping you alive. And we don't even think about these things. But when we think about God, Jesus being the creator, it means that all creative work in the creation story during those six days of creation were done by him. That Jesus is the only creator, that he is complete in all his creative works, that they are accurate, that he as the creator is self-causing. And that he created not only the creatures that walk the earth, but he created the earth itself. He created the heavens. He created humanity. That he created the galaxy. And these systems, whether they are, are those in, in the cosmos or whether they are those in our body, that those systems are perfect in their creation. And if the systems in your body that have been created by Jesus, if they cease to function, you will not survive. The same way that if the earth in its rotation around the sun, as it moves around the sun, if that rotation were to go off by one degree, it would throw the earth out of its orbit and ultimately the earth would freeze on one end and it would cook to death on the other. Because that system that Jesus created is perfect. It, the Bible does not talk about evolution. The Bible does not talk about the Big Bang Theory. The Bible does not talk about the Gap Theory or the Pod Theory. 
In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, it speaks of Abraham who was looking for, forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Jesus is both the designer and the master builder. He came up with the designs and he is the one that has created them. And without him, the Bible says, nothing was made that has been made. The Bible also says that Jesus knit us together in our mother's womb. So that process of creation, it continues on. It includes both the seen and the unseen. It includes what we see here in our world, but it also includes the spiritual dimension as well. The Bible also reveals Jesus to be our sustainer. I'm going to share with you uh, something that will tell you how old I am. Not exactly my age, but just, I'm not afraid of telling you my age is 58. But I'm so old that when I was a child, on Christmas, we received as a Christmas present from my grandparents on my dad's side, our Christmas gift one year were tops. Okay. Do you know what you're, can you remember what a top, ask your child what a top is. Bodie, thank you. I'm, yeah, Bodie's got a top. That's good. All right, so these tops were, they were special tops, those. So you would take, you would hold on to it, and there was a point on the end of it, and you would drag that across the surface of the floor or something like that, and it would rev up, and it would start to spin, and then you would set that down, and, and it would spin. And you say, well, then what do you do? You just watch it, okay? You just watch it, and you watch it, okay? Now, I'm one of three boys in my family, and we compete at everything. So if you give three boys exactly the same toy, we are going to figure out a competition. This was very exciting. So all three of us, we rev those tops up, and we let them go, and then we watch all three of them. And the, the game is pretty simple. Whoever stands up the longest wins. Okay? There are those that feel that that is what Jesus did with creation. That he simply wound it up like a top and he set it off and it, and it spun off and he just sort of backed away from it. The name of that term is called pandeism. That, that God ultimately is not involved in the universe that Jesus wound things up like a top. He let them be. After six days of creation, he simply said, I'm out. I've done everything that I can do. So now you're on your own. Go ahead and just begin to exist. In Hebrews chapter one, verses two and three, it says that in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Creation is something that not only is by him, but it is also for him. And Jesus, in as the creator, is also the sustainer. 
In John chapter 1, verse 14, the first part of the verse, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God sent his son, the creator of the universe, to come to earth that he might be able to sustain us because there were things that we lacked that we needed from a loving God. We needed the plan of salvation. We needed forgiveness. We needed protection. We needed strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And it came through the person of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 54, 4, it says, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. One of the verses that we love so much in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Jesus has come as our sustainer. He is the sustainer of life. He is involved in your life. He hasn't just wound you up like a top and stepped back and say, okay, now do it all on your own. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful not only that Jesus is my creator, but that he is also the sustainer of my life. Secondly, let's look at this one from John chapter one, that he is the word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That word, word, I always love saying that, that word, word. It, the Greek is logos, L-O-G-O-S. And it refers to Jesus as being the living version of the divine expression of God. Now, this verse in John chapter 1, it speaks of the fact that the word Jesus is eternal. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, Hebrews says it this way, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is God, and he is God from eternity past and eternity future. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is eternal But John also differentiates between God the Father and who he refers to as the Word or Jesus. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus does this when he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have three individual uh, entities that make up the Godhead. Three distinct members, if you will. Then he goes on, and, and, and in John chapter 1, he describes the sameness between God and the Word. Jesus said it this way, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In our family, we're, the, the kids are doing something fun. They're, taking, they're looking at a picture of Levi from when he was little, and they're looking at it compared to what Oliver looks like right now, and you would swear that the pictures are one and the same. There is a sameness between them, okay? They're brothers. Now, God and Jesus are not brothers, but Jesus said, the Father and I are one. So though they are distinct, though they are separate, they are also one. And then finally, he looks at at the the individual identity of Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God the Son came from God the Father. The Father sent his Son, Jesus, 
and Jesus became human flesh and he dwelt here on earth. But he had a separate identity from the Father. He had a separate mission from the Father, a separate purpose from the Father. In Revelation chapter 19, uh, starting at verse 11, it says, I saw standing heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The Word of God is the title, one of the titles that Jesus possesses. And God is the one who has exalted him to that position where he has that title and that name of the Word of God. Thirdly, Jesus is called the Almighty. In the Greek, it means the ruler of the universe. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is Jesus speaking, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Geneva Study Bible says it this way, I am he before whom there was nothing. Indeed, by whom everything that is made was made. And I shall remain remain though everything else should perish. In Revelation 13 and verse 9, Jesus is called the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. The plan of God's salvation for mankind was enacted before man himself was even created. And Jesus has the power to fulfill all that God has promised specifically those prophecies that are contained within the scriptures. In Revelation 22, we read this in verses 12 and 13. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega are the the first and last uh, letters of the Greek alphabet, and that really means um, talking about the whole of anything. Jesus was present at the commencement of creation. He will also be there at its conclusion. Luke 21, 33, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. When we look at this text of ours in Philippians chapter 2, God has exalted Jesus to this highest place. In Romans chapter 11, verse 36, Paul says this, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and amen. The Bible tells us that literally one day in Philippians 2, that every knee will bow, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. He is the Almighty. He is the Lord God, and you and I can struggle to, to believe it. We can struggle to absorb it. We can say, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to choose not to believe something, but I want you to know that that choice does not exempt us from the reality of God's word. And finally, the Bible says that Jesus is our rock. 
that, that word rock really made me think, and I had to do a little bit of research. And in the Mediterranean Sea, there is a rock that rises out of the water some 1,400 feet above sea level. It was thought by the Romans to be one of the pillars of Hercules. They, th- they thought it was one of the limits of the extent of the known world. And in 1896, a little company called Prudential wanted to identify itself and they wanted to use the strength of Gibraltar to really describe itself. And their slogan was, get a piece of the rock. A rock means safety, it means security, it means protection. In their commercials, they actually ask the question, who is your rock? And they say that we all need a rock to depend on. In Psalm 118, verse 22, the psalmist writes this, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now that verse was written a thousand years before Jesus was ever born. And the caps or the cornerstone that it's referring to is the first stone that is set in the masonry foundation. And all other stones are set in reference to the cornerstone. In Psalm 62, 6, the psalmist said, Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. When we were children in Sunday school, we heard the story about the wise man who built his house on the rock. And it says that the rain came and the winds blew and the storm beat upon the house. And the house that was built on the rock stood firm. In Acts chapter 4, verse 11, it says that Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the corner, excuse me, the cornerstone. Jesus was despised and rejected of men. And yet it is our belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God that has become the very cornerstone for our faith. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, it says of Jesus that he was, that, that we then are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Jesus is our rock and any other foundation that we build our lives upon will fail. It doesn't matter how much we believe they will work, ultimately they will fail. I'm going to have the worship team come and join me here on the platform, and I'm going to close with just sharing a little illustration, and if you'll sort of be patient with me on this. But I, I, I have a few favorite restaurants. Does anybody do you have favorite restaurants? Are you like that? I am. Um, and one of my favorite restaurants is not here in Marquette. So whenever I travel... I have to try, just, you can stand up, you don't have to, but thank you. <laughs> so, uh, it's, there's one in Appleton, um, Green Bay, places like that, and it's called Pizza Ranch. Does anybody, have you been to Pizza Ranch? Raise your hand if you've been to Pizza Ranch. Wow, I am here to educate those of you that have not been to Pizza Ranch to go to Pizza Ranch. Um, so, when I go to Pizza Ranch, now, in fairness, I call Pizza Ranch Chicken Ranch, Okay, because that's why I go there. I go to Pizza Ranch and I go and I go first, I get a salad because it makes me feel good about myself. Okay, 
So then after I eat my salad and I take my time, I don't rush through the salad, I take my time. And then I go back and I skip the pizza, I skip um, the pasta, I skip the mashed potatoes and gravy. I love mashed potatoes and gravy. I don't have anything against mashed potatoes and gravy. I skip it all and I go right to the chicken, okay? And I take two pieces of chicken. I don't wanna look like a pig, all right? I take two pieces of chicken, I go to my seat, and I begin to eat. And I, I generally get, I mean, I skip the legs, forget it, skip the wings, okay? Really, I, I, want, the, I want the breast meat, okay, but I'm, I'm all right with a good thigh also in there. So I take those and I eat those two pieces of chicken, and then I set that plate aside and I go back for two more, okay? What human being my size needs four pieces of chicken and I throw a little wedge in there and a little bit of ranch dressing on the side just to, you know, my wife will say, oh, you got to try this dessert. I don't go there for dessert. I don't want to waste any precious room on dessert. I am there for chicken, okay? I know you're wondering how in the world is he going to bring this all around to Jesus, but I'm going to do it right here, okay? I'm not going to say that you do this. I'm not going to say the person next to you does this. But I'm going to say that there are a lot of people in churches in our country that they treat Jesus like he's a pizza ranch. Okay? They love, they love the fact that Jesus is a friend. They love it. They love it that, that Jesus is merciful that Jesus is gracious, that Jesus forgives us. They, they love those things about Jesus. And when they come to Jesus, that's what they're picking up. They're picking up some forgiveness. They're picking up some grace. They're picking up the love. But you know, there's other aspects about Jesus that we're going to learn about this month. And they don't necessarily care to grab those off the buffet. Because Jesus talks about things like judgment. Jesus talks about things like sin. And those are all part of who Jesus is. And we cannot separate those things. We can't treat him like a buffet and think, well, I can just take this. Because if I'm only taking this, then what I'm really doing is I'm rejecting this. And if I'm rejecting part of Jesus, I'm rejecting all of Jesus. And so today, what I would like us to do is to ask ourselves, who do we believe that Jesus really is? Before we close, I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And maybe something that I've said today has kind of, maybe it it kind of bothered you. Maybe maybe there's something that I that I said that you're like, man, I, if that's who Jesus is, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, if that's what I want. I don't know if that's what I believe. And today, if you felt that, that little bit of aggravation in your spirit, I believe that that actually is the Holy Spirit pointing that out to you. And he's speaking to your heart right now. And so as we just pray together in a moment, I, I, I want to pray for you. If, you. if you want your prayer to be, God, I, I, 
I want to accept all that your son Jesus is. I want to receive it all. I want to believe all of who your word declares Jesus to be. And I'm struggling with part of of the buffet. I'm I'm thinking that I can just leave part of it and only accept some of it. And, And you have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just gonna invite you to slip your hand up so that I can pray for you before we leave today. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Come on, let's stand together, shall we? All of us. Father, I'm so thankful for your Holy Spirit. And your word has promised that your presence is here. And so we thank you that Your Holy Spirit is working. He is active. And he is completing what you started in us. And today he's he's tapping on certain things that are really, they're really important to us. Because they're important to you. It's about who Jesus is. And Father, I pray for these that have raised their hand today that they will say, God, I, I, I want to accept it all. I want to believe all of who Jesus is and not think that I can just pick and choose those things that please me or make me happy. Father, I pray, God, that today that we will determine in our hearts that Jesus is our Lord and that right now our knee will bow, our tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Lord, I thank you in your name. The worship team is just going to lead us before we close, and then I'll close in prayer. But we're going to sing that song that we sang a little earlier that talks about the beautiful name of Jesus, the wonderful name of Jesus, and the powerful name of Jesus.